What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Last Take Sports Podcast. And today we would like to welcome a very special guest, three-time All-American and two-time Big Ten Player of the Year. Also the star of the 2000 National Championship Team for Michigan State University and former NBA player and now leadership coach at United Wholesale Mortgage, Mateen Cleaves joins us. How are you doing today, Mateen? What's up, fellas? I am doing fantastic, man, and I... I like the introduction. I love that, man. I need to hang out with you guys more often. <laughs> Thank you, Mateen. Anytime, anytime. But let's let's get started with the where you kind of started with your career. And at what point in your childhood did you start to gravitate towards the game of basketball? Uh, to be honest, fellas, uh, it was like from day one. Um, you know, I had... My father was an athlete, um, and my brothers. I had I had three older brothers that played sports. So from you know from day one, as far as I can remember, man, I had a basketball or a football in my hand. So I have to probably yeah from yeah that's all I knew from probably birth. I always had a basketball in my hand. So now the youth game of basketball is kind of different than it was back when you started playing. So what was the competition level like when you started playing and wanted to get into the higher competition where you actually stood? Well, yeah, it was, you know what, when I was growing up, to be honest, it was very competitive in Flint, Michigan. Like, um, I guess that kind of helped make me such a, a tough competitor because when I played and grew up and played, it wasn't like, you know, everybody get a trophy. It was like, you know, the team that win the cha- that win the championship get a trophy and second place gets nothing. So um, it was very competitive when I played, you know, 10 and under basketball or 12 and under basketball coming up in Flint. So um, I learned at an early age that, you know, uh, sports, um, if you wanted to be successful in sports, you had to be competitive. Yeah, so uh, of course you went to the D1 level, and that is much more competitive than the high school level. But before that, during high school, you actually had to go through the recruiting process, of course. So given actually the recent uh, verbal commitment of Imani Bates to Michigan State, walk us through uh, that recruiting process and what it was like for you and the day you made the commitment to attend Michigan State University. Uh, That's a great question. And let me tell you, man, that was like, Oh, my God, that was the best feeling, you know, going through the recruiting process uh, in the world. You know, I because as a kid, I grew up wanting to play college basketball. So I saw all these college coaches, you know, that I grew up watching. Um, now they were at my house. You know, they were calling me on the phone, recruiting me. And I was um, I was ranked the seventh player in the country coming out of high school. Um, back then, Kobe Bryant was the number one player in the country. Um, but um, so the recruiting process was it was fun to me because I got to interact with coaches and um, schools that I just you know I saw on TV. Um, and, and and like I said, I, I enjoyed every minute of it. So um, and let me say this before I even dive, I'm so excited about Imani Bates, brother. Oh man, I am super excited about Imani Bates. He is a big-time player. Uh, like, he's one of those, you know, once-in-a-generation type talent, you know. Uh, he don't come around often. So, 
for us to be able to land him was a big, big, big accomplishment for Michigan State. But, um, yeah, you know, just, just going back into the recruiting process, it was, it was so fun because as a kid, you dream about playing college basketball. And now, for me, I had my pick. You know, I could have went to any school I wanted to go to. Um, could have went, you know, for football or basketball. I actually was a pretty good quarterback as well coming out of high school. So, um, you know, trying to um, narrow the schools down was tough because it was a lot of good schools. But I, I, if I can remember back, I'm getting old now, fellas, but if I can remember, I think it was my, my final five schools was Michigan State, Michigan, Florida State, uh, Syracuse, Cincinnati, and um, who else was right? Georgia Tech was in there, and Louisville was in there. But um, yeah, man, it just came down to to to, 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 to Tom Izzo. I just felt that he was genuine, and even back in 1996. Michigan State wasn't the prominent basketball program that it is right now. Uh, back in 1996, they wasn't a really good basketball school when you compare to Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, you know, Michigan at the time. So, um, and Coach Izzo was in his first year, and they didn't even make the NCAA tournament uh, that year. So people thought I was crazy, but I chose Michigan State because I, I fell in love with Coach Izzo, the person. He was, I, you know, I, I knew I liked his toughness, his grit and grind as far as, you know, wanting to be a great coach. But I, I loved him. I fell in love with him more as a person. My mother, my mother really loved him. She was like, oh, you're going to play for that guy right there, you know. But, um, you know, coach, what Coach Izzo had over all those other coaches is he was genuine. I could just feel that, you know, not only was he a good basketball coach, but he was a good person. And that's why I kind of gravitate, gravitated toward him over some of those other coaches. So you mentioned how you were a high recruitment out of uh, high school. So and you know, and you also mentioned that Kobe Bryant was ahead of you, and he was one of the first big names to go out of high school to the NBA draft. So once you heard Kobe do that, did you have any thoughts of doing that? Because clearly, you made the right decision going to Michigan State. Yeah, it worked out for me, and, I, and I'm a big believer to, to each his own. You know, uh, everybody's um, path is different. For me, um, you know, I was pretty good, but I don't know if I was that good, you know, to come out of high school. So going to college, I definitely benefited from it. I loved the college atmosphere, man. I loved, um, you know, our the his zone and our crowd and, you know, walking around campus and hanging out with everybody else that went to Michigan State. I, I love the college atmosphere. So definitely, I'm so glad that I chose to go to college, go to Michigan State. It was a great um, experience for me. I met some friends there, some friends that, that I'm still friends with to this day, uh, football players and uh, just people in general at Michigan State. So um, I love the college experience, man. So uh, for me, it was great. I don't like I said, Kobe Bryant uh, and certain guys. There's only very few that could go right out of high school. I was good, but I don't know if I was that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that leads into our next question. And with all of your responsibilities on and off the court, how hard was it to be a student athlete, especially at the D1 level at Michigan State University? 
Yeah, it was it was it was a challenge because you had to keep a, you had to stay focused um, because you know Coach Izzo, to be honest, he didn't care too much that you had to stay up late and study for a test. He wanted you to be energetic when you came to practice. Um, the teacher probably didn't care that you was at practice all night. They wanted you to be very attentive when you were in class. So you just had to, you know, prioritize, stay focused. Um, and, and for me, it was very helpful because we had tutors and we had our coaches kind of kept us focused on the task at hand. But it was challenging because Coach Izzo wanted you to be super focused on basketball. The teachers wanted you to be super focused on your grades. So you had to be able to juggle the juggle two, juggle the two. Um, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't um, it wasn't easy at all. It was definitely time, but you know I wanted to be successful, man. So I was willing to to lock in and say razor on, on on what I needed to do. Yeah, so speaking of Tom Izzo, you were obviously a very lucky player to be able to play under such a legendary coach. How was that experience, and can you describe what it's like playing under him? Oh, man. Uh, it was great. I love playing under Coach Izzo. He was, um, you know, the thing I loved about Coach Izzo, he was a really good motivator, and he really cared about us. As people, you know, I know he knew, I know we had to go out there and play hard on the basketball court, but he really cared about, cared about us as people. He would ask about our families. He would ask about how we're doing as people. And he would, he would challenge you and he held you highly accountable, but that was okay for me because I knew he wanted the best for me. Um, so I, I love playing against Coach Izzo because I wanted to be great. Um, so you know, he wanted me, he held me highly accountable, but I held myself highly accountable. And I, I learned a lot from Coach Izzo. Coach Izzo helped me become a better leader um, because I, I always I wanted to be everybody's friend. And being everybody's friends wasn't going to make us into a winning program. And sometimes I had to hold guys accountable because I was a hard worker. And Sometimes I wouldn't get on guys if they didn't work hard because it was my friend. But Coach Izzo said, hey, oh, no way, no way. You got to hold these guys accountable. So, um, you know, playing for Coach Izzo, uh, it, it was such a delight because I know he wanted to win a national championship and I wanted to win a national championship. And I think we were growing together. I was growing as a player. He was growing as a coach. And uh, it all just came together in 2000, and, 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 and it, was, it was a magical moment. Do you think playing under Tom Izzo and how tough and hard he is on his players made you an overall better player and had you more prepared for the next level of competition? Oh, yeah. I love it. Um, you know, I was lucky, I would say, because I had my brothers and my father, they, they, were, they were tough on me. And I, my high school coach and AU coach, they were tough on me. So when I got to Coach Izzo and he was tough on me, it was something that I was used to. So, um, you know, him, him, you know, being tough on me and challenging me and uh, holding me accountable, that didn't bother me. Um, so I was, um, I, I enjoyed it. Like I said, I, I enjoyed every minute of playing for Coach Izzo. 
Uh, if you work hard, you don't really have, you know, you and Coach Izzo will get along well. Um, so I was a hard worker. He got on me. But like I said, I wanted to be successful. So to me, it was a great experience, and I just learned so much uh, from Coach Izzo. I became a student of, of the game being around Coach Izzo. Like, I would watch game film for hours and hours and hours. And when I was a freshman, I didn't understand why we had to watch so much film. But as I started to mature, um, you know, I would start watching so much film to the point where if something happened in a game, I would I would start to notice it sometime before Coach Izzo. And he was like, oh, okay, I see, I see now. You're becoming a student of the game. And, yeah, the, the better student I became of the game, the better player that that made me. Yeah, with Tom Izzo being the obviously the animated coach that he is, do you have any funny stories of him or moments that come to, to mind <laughs> of your playing days? Oh, yeah, man. I, yes, yes, yes. I got a, a ton of funny stories about Coach Izzo, but I'll tell you one uh, that come to mind. And I remember I was, I was just named Big Ten Player of the Year. And we were playing Minnesota in the Big Ten tournament. It was the first year they had the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> and Coach, um, the guy I was checking, man, he was just raining shots. Guy couldn't even shoot, but that day he was making shots, right? So Coach Jizzo calls a timeout, and he was like, what are you doing? He's like, you, you, you can't even guard your shadow. I was like, oh, my God. Like, Coach, what the heck? And, you know, he got on me. Then we um, play resumed. Then after that, he took me out the game. And he said, he said, you'll thank me later. And I'm saying, you know, well, well, what does that mean? He said, because you're playing like crap on national TV. And I don't want your friends and family to see you play so bad. So sit down and let me, you know, you catch your breath and you get back together. Then I'll put you back in. He said, but I'm saving you right now because the world is seeing you play like crap. <laughs> At the time, I didn't like it. But now I think about it, man. It was it gets funnier and funnier as I get older. But Coach Izzo, man, um, in, in another story, you know, he, he like he would he would break. Um, the clipboard, like you know, like the clipboard they draw plays on. He, you know, sometime in the game, he would get mad and to fire us up, he would break a clipboard. Well, he must have had a really good clipboard one game because he couldn't break it. He was trying to snap it over his knee <laughs> and it wouldn't break. And he ended up just throwing it to the ground, you know. And, and But uh, yeah, so those are a couple of stories that kind of come to mind about Coach Itzo. Do you think uh, Tom Izzo was maybe a little harder on you with you being the leader of uh, that team, especially when you got into your uh, senior year? Do you think he was a little harder on you than the rest of the players? Oh, 100%. He was harder on me than anybody on the team. And I think that's why me and his relationship is so good right now because I didn't take it personal. Um, you know, he would challenge me, and he held me accountable. He, he, um, he was really hard on me. Um, but I didn't care. I wanted to win a national championship. So uh, to answer your question, yeah, if you was a leader on Coach Izzo's team, he was going to challenge you. He was going to be hard on you. 
So, uh, yeah, he was very hard on me. But at the end of the day, I didn't care about that. My my parents was hard on me. My high school coaches was hard on me. So um, I, I, I actually liked it. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure he knew your background and watched a lot of your AAU and high school games and saw how you reacted with your coaches maybe being a little tough on you. So I'm sure he took notes and knew you could handle that. But let's transition on to the 2000 National Championship game, which was for sure a highlight of your career. And yeah, that- baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> And that game was a classic, but what made it even more special was the adversity you overcame with suffering your ankle injury in the second half of the game. So walk us through what was going through your mind from the time you came down on that ankle to coming back out on the court from the locker room to lead your team to victory. Oh, all I was thinking, fellas, was, you know, there's no way I'm not getting back in this game to help my team win a national championship. No way. So, um, you know, when I, when I got hurt, um, what happened, I actually thought I broke my ankle because the way I landed, the tape snapped. And, it, and, I, and, and I thought it was my ankle. I thought it was a bone that broke, but it was a really, really bad high ankle sprain. And all I was thinking, like, oh, no, not now. Like, I just overcame. I broke my foot at the beginning of the season, I'm, and I overcame that. Then no, 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 not now. But um, my main focus was to get back on the court and help my team win. So once I got back in the locker room, I just told the trainer, hey, man, tape it up, you know, and let's roll. Tape it up and let's roll. So my whole focus was just to get back on the court. And I was, I mean, it was about 30, 40%. But I figured I just used my leadership. Uh, skills and I would get out there and, and, and encourage the guys and, and rally the guys and because as soon as I got out there I said hey guys I can't move so I'm going to need you to help me out because I, I can't really move I'm not 100% and, and the guys rallied behind me but the whole time when I hurt my ankle I was just thinking man whatever you got to do I was talking to the trainer you just got to get me back on the court and I was just saying you know you, it's a once in a lifetime that you have an opportunity to win a national championship so I wanted to take advantage of that moment yeah, I'm sure a young Jay Rich really helped you out there. But you mentioned your high ankle sprain. And how long did it take to recover that after the national championship game when you actually won? Oh, yeah, it took some time. Uh, man, I, I actually, when I was going through some of my NBA workouts, my ankle was still tender from that game because I didn't have a lot of time to let it rest. You know, after the national championship game, now you're thinking – Oh, I got to get myself in great shape to play in the NBA and to get ready for the NBA draft. So uh, it's, it took, I would say, ah, man, it probably wasn't 100% probably until like a year later because I stayed off of it a few weeks, but I had to start back working out to get ready for the NBA draft. Yeah, leading the Spartans on to the 2020, 20- 2000 national championship game was probably one of your favorite moments as a Spartan. But do you have any other fun, fun or special moments that come to your mind when reflecting on your time in East Lansing? Oh yeah, it, it, you know that was definitely probably the uh, best moment I had in, in basketball, other than being drafted in the NBA because that's what you dream about. But uh, I will go back to you know my high school days. We won a state championship. And it was tough to win a state championship in Michigan when I was growing up. You know, it wasn't like you had one or two good players across the state. 
we had some guys that could really play. And in, in the game, in my state championship game that we played in, we probably had 10 Division One basketball players that was playing in one game. All right? So it was very challenging. And, and then, you know, just Flint and Detroit, we always had this um, competition between each city. And, you know, we were playing a Detroit team, Detroit Pirates in the state championship, who had won it a couple times uh, the previous year. So uh, it was a big challenge. So that was a super big achievement for me was to win a state championship back in, um, I think it was 1995. You guys, I don't know, you probably wasn't, you wasn't even born yet, you know, back then. But, um, yeah, I would say winning a state championship was a great moment for me as well. So Michigan State is one of the best senior days and senior day traditions in the country. So I'm sure uh, you recall you guys beat in-state rival Michigan Wolverines by over 50 points. And you had that, a heck of a game yourself. Kick their butt. We kicked their butt, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the game yourself with 20 assists and breaking two Big Ten assist records while you're at it. So what was that senior day experience like for you? Oh, man, it was magical. I will never, ever forget it. And, guys, I mean, I, I'm a big crybaby, right? I just, I'm an emotional person. And we had a team breakfast, before, you know, earlier that day. And I cried, man. I cried at breakfast because I knew that was my last team breakfast you know, in East Lansing. Um, we had shoot-around before the game. I don't know if we had shoot-around because it was an early game, but, you know, before the game, senior night, you get out on the court with your parents. I cried then. And um, I just was – it was no way in the world that I was going to lose that game. It was against Michigan, our rival. It was senior night. Um, and I wanted to do something special. And to be honest, I, I don't know how many assists I had at halftime, but I remember Coach Chizzo saying, um, you know, why not go and break the record? You know, let's go break the record. And um, I remember Charlie Bell, he was on fire that day. He was like, if you want some assists, find me. And, man, he was just hitting every shot it seemed like he took. But uh, it was just magical, man, to beat Michigan, our rival, by 50 points. 51 points, I think, um, to get to, to break the record, um, the all-time assist record back then, Cassius Winston has it now, which I'm so proud of him. But um, to break the all, you know, 20 assists in one game, um, on top of, you know, winning your last game at the Breslin Center. And, um, you know, people, some people think that I um, started kissing the floor. Like, I started that tradition, but I didn't. Um, I was a big fan of a guy named Sean Resper, who's the uh, Michigan State's all-time leading scorer. He kissed the floor on his last senior game. And then I did. I kissed the floor. And then now we still have that tradition to this day. Guys in their last senior game, they kissed the floor. So, But it was just such a magical moment, man. Um, things that you dream about. So it was a great, great time, guys. So you mentioned a little bit about Cassius Swinston and how he, you know, obviously did the tradition of kissing the floor on his senior night. But how did you feel for him when he couldn't even play in his last NCAA tournament? Oh, I felt for him. It broke my heart because I really believe that they had a legitimate chance to win a national championship. When I look back at the teams this year, um, I look at Kansas had a really good team in Michigan State. 
to me, those would have been the two favorites to win it all. And then you know I'm going to kind of lean a little towards the Spartans because that's family right there. But, um, yeah, man, I felt bad, man, because I really wish and, and, and that Cash would have been able to win a national championship because he, he deserved it. He went through a lot at Michigan State, um, played the game the right way. He's one of my favorites, man. I just love the way he played the game. And um, so I did. I felt for Cassius um, that he didn't have an opportunity to try to win a championship his senior year. So as an alumni, is there anything Michigan State or even Tom Izzo does to keep yourself and other former players invested and tied to the university and the basketball program? Oh, yeah. Coach Izzo, man, he, he invites us back to, to campus all the time. It's an open-door policy. We get to go back to any practice we want to, any game we want to. Um, you know, every year since I've left, I always call the secretary and I get a copy of um, of everybody's phone number. So I call the guys and check in all the time. I watch games. I take notes. So, for instance, I might call Cassius and say, um, in the second half against Wisconsin, um, 17 minutes and 22 seconds. When you came off that screen and roll, you should have shot it, you know, or, or, or certain things that I, adjustments I see people can make. Um, so I, I always get their phone numbers and I interact with the guys throughout the year. Uh, I try to send them encouraging uh, and motivating messages before big games and, and talk to the guys. If they have a bad game, call in and try to encourage them and don't worry about it. Get ready for next game. So um, it's start, it, Coach Izzo does a great job of keeping an open door policy and always inviting us as old guys back. Um, but um, I always, you know, every year I call and get everybody's phone number to make sure that I can call and interact and help the guys out in any way. Who was the one specific player that you looked up to in your childhood playing the game of basketball? Well, it was a couple guys. Um, Isaiah Thomas. I loved him. Bad boys, baby. Bad boys. I loved him. He was the leader of the bad boys. I watched a lot of Michigan, um, Detroit Pistons basketball back then. Um, big fan of Isaiah Thomas because he was tough. He was a leader. He was competitive. He was a winner. So I, I, I fell in love with Isaiah Thomas. But one of my favorites was Steve Smith that played at Michigan State. He's one of the best players ever played at Michigan State. Uh, Olympic gold medalist and um, uh, won, a, won a championship with the um, with San Antonio Spurs. So I was a big fan of Steve Smith. Uh, oh my God, I loved this game, man. He was he was electrifying back then. Uh, he's one of the biggest reasons I fell in love with Michigan State as a kid. So after a very successful career at Michigan State, you ended up being drafted 14th overall in the NBA draft to your hometown Detroit Pistons. So what was that feeling like hearing your name called by the commissioner and becoming a lottery pick right before your eyes? Oh, fellas. Oh, man. That was the best feeling. Man, listen, you, you dream about being an NBA player. You dream about going to the NBA. And all the hard work that you put in, I mean, through the years and all the adversity you had to overcome. And to, to have that opportunity to play in the NBA, like that draft day was so special, man. Um, 
I remember, you know, it was in Minnesota. You know, I flew my whole family out to Minnesota to, to interact and enjoy the draft with me. Um, that whole draft, you you get there a week and you're doing a lot of media. But that whole that 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 day, you know, I had a barber there because I had to get a fresh haircut because I knew I was going to be on TV in front of everybody, right? Then I had a tailor-made suit, guys. I it was my first time having a tailor-made suit. I had my name on the inside of it, and I had the, the shoes to match, and I was decked all out. And you know, um, my family was there. We were we we're in the green room, and what happens is, guys, you sit in the green room, and when your number, when you're when you're going to get drafted, the cameras start grab coming over to your table, and. Um, I think Orlando had the 13th pick. And then with the 14th pick, I saw the cameras start coming over. I'm like, oh, yes, here we go. Here we go. And, uh, they, you know, with the 14th pick, the Detroit Pistons select my team cleans. And, oh, guys, oh, my God, I could have almost fainted, you know, um, because here I am getting drafted in the NBA. But not just the NBA, to the team that I loved growing up, the Detroit Pistons. So, oh man, it was it was such a great feeling, guys. It was a it was a dream that finally came true. So, um, yeah, man, that that was um, a priceless moment in my life and something that I will never ever forget. So, Mateen, did you find out when you were being drafted the same time as the rest of uh, the country found out when the commissioner called your name? Or did you know a little before that the Detroit Pistons was going to select you there at 14? Uh, yeah, I found out maybe uh, 30, I'll say 30 seconds to a minute before the com- before the country did. Only how I knew is like because the cameras started to come over towards my um, table. So I figured, okay, well, now was my time, and, you know, here it is. So, yeah, probably maybe a minute before uh, the TV knew. So, of course, you were being drafted to your hometown Detroit Pistons. So did you find that a little comforting knowing you were going to stay home, or did you find a little pressure in it knowing you're going to have to perform for your home crowd every night? Uh, I would say it was more comforting. Um, still was going to be able to get mom's cooking. Uh, that, that was cool. Uh, my family was going to be able to come watch me play as they did my whole college career. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say it wasn't no pressure. It was I was I was more comforting um, knowing that I was going to be able to be around family and friends and they were going to be able to come watch me play. What was the most challenging part of transitioning to the NBA from the college level? Well, I tell you what, everybody in the NBA is good. Everybody. I mean, even the guys that you don't see playing much, everybody is a great player. And, you know, they tell you, well, when you get to the NBA, guys are faster, they're stronger, um, they're more athletic, uh, more talented. But you still don't know until you get on that court. And you talk about fans, you don't know what they're talking about until you really have to chase Adam Iverson around. Um, you don't know how fast and strong guys are until you have to check Jason Kidd and Gary Payton. And you don't know how skilled guys really are until you have to guard Kobe Bryant on the wing one-on-one 
with no help, okay? So, you know, people can kind of tell you about these things, but you don't know until you have to go through it. So making that transition to the NBA, everybody is good. A lot of players are great, but faster, stronger, more athletic, um, more skill, uh, you know, decision-making You ha- is, is much quicker. So, yeah, it definitely was a different, a big adjustment to go from college to the NBA. Who was the most difficult guy you've had to cover in the NBA? Because you just mentioned a great list of them, but in a specific scenario, what was the play that you had to guard a Kobe Bryant? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, Kobe was tough to guard. Um, Allen Iverson was really tough to guard. Um, Stephon Marbury was tough. Jason Kidd, Gary Payton. But, um, you know, Allen Iverson was tough because the team would run a lot of isolation plays for him. And he had this nasty crossover, man, because he had these long arms. And he would kind of hesitate with it. And if you didn't bite, he would go by you. So he was so fast, you would try to beat him to the spot. So I would try to cut him off, but then he had those long arms. Yank! He would yank it back, and man, he had a nice pull-up floater. Or he would keep going and go by you. So Allen Iverson was really tough to guard when they ran all of those isolation plays for him. Yeah, so after your NBA career, you transitioned to being a sports analyst. So what was that experience from being on the court to being in front of the camera, talking and breaking down the game? Well, it was much easier to talk about how to guard Kobe Bryant than actually have to guard Kobe Bryant, okay? Um, But I had a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed, um, you know, broadcasting because it it kept you around the game. You know, you were always... Because I would sit up and with my friends in the barber shop or just being around my friends. And we would talk basketball all the time. And um, to actually get paid to talk about basketball um, was kind of cool. And and then I got a, got a chance to, to see it from a different level. Because I was always a player. And now to be a broadcaster, you know, I, I looked at the game uh, from a different way. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun because it kept you involved, involved in the game. And I had I had a, a great time. You know, I was doing NBA basketball and college basketball. So, yeah, I, I had a ton of fun just continuing to be around the game and traveling the world, going to games. Uh, when I worked for CBS Sports Network, you know, flying to New York and being on national TV and doing radio and for, for Sirius XM, oh, man, it was it was, I had a lot of fun doing it. So you've now transitioned into being a leadership coach. So how have you applied the leadership skills you've learned throughout your basketball career to helping United Wholesale Mortgage to continue to be one of the fastest growing mortgage companies in the country? Oh, yeah, baby. I'm playing for the number one team again. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. But what I do, guys, and you probably and you'll get a kick out of this. I was, I'm so used to motivating guys in the locker room before the games at halftime. Now I'm just motivating people in corporate America in my office. I do the same thing. It's just a different environment. I talk to, I talk to our team leads and, um, some of our 
um, leaders at Hyazex at our company, I talked to them with the same energy, the same passion uh, as I did when I would talk in locker rooms. So um, I love it. I love it. You know, I, to be honest, guys, I never saw myself working in corporate America. I thought I was always going to be um, doing something involved with basketball. But people that, you know, if you're, you're if I, I know the blueprint and what I mean by that, if I was able to become successful in sports, you can be able to be successful in anything. It's just going to take some hard work, some dedication and some discipline. So it's the same thing, guys. I'm doing the same thing that I've done when I played. I was motivating guys in the locker room. Now I'm just motivating our leaders in the office, but it's the same thing. So finally, what advice do you give to young basketball players who have dreams to make it to the D1 or even the NBA level? Oh, <laughs> I'm so glad you asked that question. And I, and I love to talk about this. First, you got to believe in you. You got to believe in that person that you see in the mirror every day. You can't let nobody tell you what you can't do. Because I was told that you're not short, you're not tall enough, you don't jump high enough, you're not fast enough. I heard that from people. You might not want to think about going to the NBA. That's you know only one in a million make it to the NBA. Why not me? You know why? 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 How, somebody got to make it, so why that wouldn't be me? Okay. So first things first, you got to have self confidence and believe in that person that you see in the mirror, and then you got to work. You got to work your butt off. And I tell people, you know, you know, everybody that picks up a basketball has a goal to make it to the NBA. That's your goal. Go to the NBA. Play Division One basketball, go to the NBA. Well, if you don't work hard, those words are just words on a piece of paper that have no meaning. You got to work, man. You got to believe in yourself, and then you got to put work behind it. And the last thing, you got to be mentally tough to overcome adversity because you're going to face adversity. Everything is not going to go your way. Are you going to find a way or are you going to find an excuse? Okay, a lot of people, the average Joe, the average person is going to find an excuse because that's the easy way out. A winner is going to find a way. All right, so hard, I mean, you got to have self-confidence and believe in that person in the mirror. Hard work, you got you to outwork everybody. And then you got to be mentally tough. When things don't go your way, you got to be able to bounce back. So that's that's the blueprint to being successful, fellas. <laughs> With that being said, I think this would be a great time to wrap up tonight's podcast. But before we do, we would really like to thank you, Mateen, for joining us. We really appreciate you giving us your time. But before we go, we are, we are giving you this time to let the listeners know where they can find you or your social media handles. Okay, guys, I'm on all social medias. And my um, my handle is Mateen, which M-A-T-E-E-N underscore Cleves, C-L-E-A-V-E-S. All right, and that's, that's my social media handle. And let me take this time to tell you guys, Man, it was such a delight to be hanging out with you guys, man. You guys are wonderful, man. So whenever you want to talk again or get me back on the podcast, make sure you reach out because this was fun. We got to do it again sometime, guys.
We will definitely do that, 100%. We love having you. Sweet. Once again, we would like to thank Mateen for joining us today. And to all the listeners, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and download this podcast. And we'll see you guys next time on the Last Take Sports Podcast.